Good evening. My name is Vivian Catfield, and this is Haunted Muse, a podcast of my freshly written speculative fiction and the often stranger-than-fiction stories behind it. This week, in our 115th episode, the fifth of season two, a season of short works, I'm going to share a tale that's written a little differently, a ghost story told in the first person, as if by the ghost herself. The origin of this story was my recent trip on April 1st, 2022 to Waverly Hills Sanitarium, making it our first Muse on the Move episode of the season. If you're into watching ghost hunting television shows or visiting haunted sites in the United States, which you probably are if you're also listening to this podcast, then you've probably heard of Waverly Hills. It was a tuberculosis sanitarium in Louisville, Kentucky that was in operation from 1910 to 1961, and then afterward became a nursing home known as the Woodhaven Geriatric Center that slowly declined in its standard of care until it was ordered closed by the state of Kentucky for patient neglect in 1982. Since then, there have been several plans for repurposing the Waverly Hills facility that have fallen through. One, in 1983, hoped to turn it into a minimum security prison, while another, in 1996, wanted to construct the world's largest statue of Jesus, bigger than the one in Rio, on top of it, and turn it into a Christian arts and cultural center. Neither of those plans came to fruition, however, and in 2001, the facility was finally sold to Tina and Charlie Mattingly, who have since successfully turned it into a haunted attraction that claims to be one of the most haunted places in the world. I've put links to the official Waverly Hills page on the Haunted Muse website if you'd like to visit it for yourself, which I highly recommend. It's very entertaining, uh, along with the pictures that I took when I was there. Although I don't think that I captured any spiritual evidence in my photos, you're welcome to have a look for yourself and see what you see. Regardless, I'm sure that you're wondering what I did actually experience at Waverly. First of all, I took the standard ghost tour, and my guide was very informative both about the history of the place and the ghosts that people claim to have seen there. As you can tell from the pictures, I saw the infamous body chute, down which recently deceased patients were wheeled so as to make their departure more discreet and hopefully less traumatic to those who still survived. Patients died at such regular intervals that hearses stayed lined up and at the ready. Apparently, the swampy, humid river air of northern Kentucky was ideal for incubating tuberculosis bacteria, and Louisville had one of the highest death rates in the country from the disease. It was pretty brutal. As for what I found in the way of spiritual activity at Waverly, when our tour group was in the former patient activity room where they played games and such back in the day, I got the feeling that I was being watched from the hallway behind me, and I felt a cold spot, which can be a sign of paranormal activity. Later in the tour, I learned that the second floor hallway from which I thought I was being watched was where the ghost of Lois Higgs was often sighted. Lois and Audrey Higgs, the main subjects of the story that I'm reading tonight, were two sisters from right there in Louisville who were treated at Waverly Hills for tuberculosis. Audrey recovered, but sadly, her sister Lois did not. 
while working on this story, I found out some more real-life details about Lois's life and family that I've included here. She seems to have been a very sweet lady, a much beloved young wife and mother, and I wanted to give voice to her spirit that is so often recognized around the old sanitarium. Also on the tour, when I was in the room where the ghost of Timmy, the little boy who also died there of tuberculosis, is supposed to appear, I had kind of a fun little incident where I pushed a playground ball across the floor and it came to a full stop. Then it slowly rolled back to me. <laughs> now, I'm sure it could have just been the uneven floors in an old building, but there was no wind and no other reason that I could see for the ball to move. Supposedly, this is one of Timmy's favorite activities, so that was kind of cool. I've had pretty good luck with ghost investigations in the past, which might have shown evidence of a child's spirit trying to contact me, so who knows? Perhaps kids like me. Last, in the infamous room 502, where a nurse named Mary Hillenberg was supposed to have hung herself, I noticed a couple of oddities. One, I did hear, along with several others in my group, some rather obvious knocking in the elevator shaft beside Mary's old nurse's station. And second, the desk at the nurse's station was identical to a desk that is currently in my apartment in real life. Uh, the antique desk that I have actually belongs to my partner and used to be in his grandfather's butcher shop in Morgantown, West Virginia, which is about six hours away from Louisville, where Waverly Hills is located. Apparently, it was a popular desk style of the period, but I thought it was cool that, uh, you know, it's the same desk. Anyway, whether Waverly Hills is actually haunted or not, I'm not sure. A lot of ghost hunting experts seem to think so, but I didn't find anything definitive, even though the tour was very interesting. What has haunted me, though, ever since the time that I visited, were three things. One, the tragic early death of Lois Higgs to tuberculosis. Two, the terrifying quackery in the name of quote-unquote science that posed for medical care in the 1920s when doctors simply had no clue what to do or how to cure a serious bacterial infectious disease. And three, the erasure of Mary Hillenberg's life, especially now that over half of American women live in a post-Roe v. Wade world. Writing as I am, only a few days after the Dobbs verdict, which not to get too political here, but I find to be tragic, dangerous, and sad, I thought a lot about Mary, a scared nurse who was thought to be pregnant by a doctor with whom she'd had an affair while they both worked at Waverly Hills. Like every other researcher who has tried in vain to trace the story of 29-year-old Mary Hillenberg, a nurse who disappears from the pages of history after she supposedly committed suicide, my search came up with nothing. So I started thinking, how could a pregnant working woman in 1928 be made to completely disappear after her alleged suicide, with no record of her burial anywhere? What really happened to her? If you take the tour at Waverly Hills, 
they will tell you that it would have been impossible for the pipe from which Mary was supposed to have hung herself uh, to have borne her weight. Unless, unless for some reason, something else happened to her. Something that would have made her lighter somehow. And that wasn't exactly suicide. For the answer to what I thought might have really happened to Mary Hillenburg, you should listen to this week's story. So, without further ado, here we go. Told in the fictional voice of the real-life Lois Higgs, I present this week's short story, Audrey's Sister, by Vivian Catfield. Excuse me, have you seen my sister? About five feet seven, wavy, light brown hair? In some lights, it looks honey blonde. Are you sure? Her eyes are very distinctive, light, bright blue, like Ceylon blue sapphires. Do they still call it Ceylon? I had heard that they changed it, but I wasn't sure. It's so hard to keep up with the changes in the world these days. She's prettier than I am. Audrey. I don't mind admitting it, although I think I've got the better hair. Still, she's always been more outgoing than me. Everyone loves Audrey. She's such a beautiful person. Who am I? <laughs> I'm no one that matters. My name is Lois. That doesn't matter. I'm always here. You can find me anytime. I haven't seen you here before. You must be new. Me? Oh, I've lived here forever. At least it seems so. I used to live out on Oneida, but I heard they put a freeway through there. wonder where Charlie lives now. He and the boys. Charlie was so handsome in that uniform. That's where I fell for him, you know. All of us girls, goggle-eyed, dreaming about some soldier to come back from the war, sweep us right off our feet. That's what he did, my Charlie. I miss him. At least I see Ronnie every once in a little while. Ronnie, my baby boy. He passed before I did. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You're here to see the rest of us, right? Figure out why we're still around? I've got you. We should probably begin at the beginning. That is why you're here, right? Sorry. I, I don't mean to laugh. It isn't funny. I, I know. I came here because I had the TB. You know, tuberculosis. It got me in the end, but that's okay. Except that, well, it isn't. The people are nice here, but it's lonely sometimes. I'll show you around. Follow me. Be careful on these stairs. They're pretty steep. I don't think the elevator works anymore. At least it's only one flight of stairs down from mine on second. It used to be such a nice place. My apologies. Although, should I really apologize? Or do you expect it? Everything gets run down a bit over time. Anyway, here we are, the dining room. They have such delightful food. Anything you'd want, really. My favorite is the roast chicken with these new little potatoes and carrots. They grow the rosemary fresh outside in the garden. I love the name Rosemary. If I had had a little girl instead of all boys, I would have named her Rosemary. <laughs> Shakespeare said it was for remembrance. Really? You can look it up. It's right there in Hamlet. Oh, serving time is over, I think. But I can check out back in the kitchen if you're hungry. Usually they have a little cornbread and butter if you're hankering for a snack. 
I love a little cornbread and buttermilk in the evening, don't you? No? Well, buttermilk can be an acquired taste, especially if you're from up north. That's okay. Uh, why would you want to go down there? It's kind of spooky. I know, I know. People told all kinds of tales about it, but it's boring, really. Last place a dead person would ever want to hang around is with dead people. But I can take you there if you want to see it. Right down this hallway. Follow me. Watch yourself, again, on those steps. They're steeper even than the ones upstairs. Around this corner. Yes. All right, here we are. Do you want me to go down there and light it up so you can take a picture? Most people do. Take a picture, I mean. Sometimes I'll pop in. <laughs> I know it's kind of ugly for me to trick them, but it gets so boring around here. See all the way to the bottom? That's where they used to drain the bodies. Doctors thought that there would be less contamination if they were dry. Not so sharp, after all, were they? The doctors, I mean. Took them long enough to figure out that it was a bacteria. Or even what a bacteria was. By then, I was long gone. Sorry, I didn't mean to get into all that. I don't mean to sound resentful, either. I'm glad you're here. Truly, I am. Uh, should we go back upstairs? Yes, I think that's better. The activity room and the porches have always been more cheerful. Audrey and I used to play ping pong up there. I won two games out of every three at least. But she beat me in the end. And good for her, really. I'm, I'm glad. I hope she got married, finally. And had a family, the whole nine. She deserved it. My sister Audrey deserved every good God put in the world. Now, where was I? Oh, yes, right down this hallway, out of the activity room, was where Audrey and I stayed. It was nice here, on the porch, in summer afternoons, the cool breezes blowing in, when the heat just shimmered off the pavement down there. We sat out all year round, summer, winter, spring, and fall. There are some pictures of us, I think, even with the snow on our blankets. Can you imagine? The fresh air was part of the treatment. It's supposed to be good for our lungs. I tried not to look down so much when we were out here, though. I wasn't afraid of heights or nothing. I just didn't like to see the hearses pulling up. About one every day, it seemed like. Made me sad, you know? Eventually, the docks figured that out and started parking them around back. I thought that was very respectful. Oh, careful now. Don't sit up close on that ledge. I know there's a picture of me doing it. Charlie snapped it when I first came here, but that ridge in the middle is dangerous. You could topple right over. And you'd have to stay here with me forever. <laughs> Would that be so bad? Sorry. I had to ask. You have other things to do. I know. Everyone who comes here does. It's okay. We should head on and see Timmy for a bit. He's always cheerful. Oh, would you look at that in the closet? Another teddy bear. People are always leaving me things. It's sweet. Keeps me from feeling so lonely. Pick that bear up and bring it with us, would you? I think Timmy would like it. What was that? Shadow people. Oh, it, yes, they're always around. Startled me too at first, actually. They still do. Even though now I'm, well, you know, moving crazy 
on all fours, like some kind of animals. Sometimes late at night when it's really still, I watch them climb straight up the walls. All knees and elbows sticking out. They're just like spiders. Ugh. I never could stand a spider. No. Those shadow people are very different from Timmy and me. Or even the people up on the fifth floor. The people on the fifth floor are... Well, I'll let you be the judge of that. Or not. How does the proverb go? Judge not so that you be not judged. That's from the book of Matthew, I think. It's been a while since I've had a look through the good book. Regardless, it's best not to pay those shadow people much mind. Here we are now. Whew. <sighs> Going up three flights of stairs is a lot, I know. I used to measure whether I was getting better or worse by how winded I was heading up and down these stairs. I used to could walk for miles, it seemed like, before I got sick, chasing two little boys around the house all day to keep them from getting into things. That was how I knew, at first, that I was in pretty dire straits when I couldn't keep up with them anymore without coughing up blood. But let's not talk about that, shall we? Uh, sit the bear down in the corner and roll this little ball over to it. We'll see if Timmy comes out to play with us today. I love coming up here to visit with him. Reminds me of my boys. He's a little toe-headed feller. Look, there, there he is now. Don't you see him? He's got his little seersucker romper on. What a cutie pie. Oh, he's got crumbs all down his front. You have something to wipe him off with? No? You can't? see him? No. Or you don't have anything? No. Both? Oh, gee, that's too bad. He sees you. Look, that's how you can tell. He, he just rolled the ball back to you. Do it again, he says. Look at his face. Okay, I'll do it so you can take the picture, but I warn you, he doesn't like... Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I was afraid of that. He's gone. Little boys are always camera shy. He might come back after a spell. We just need to give him some time. If we go on around to the operating room and then through the fifth floor, that might be enough. Follow me. Now, if you are trying to get a picture of something, you might better keep your camera out. Everything moves faster in surgery. Never know what you're going to see. Although, it's not very pleasant most of the time. You're not squeamish, are you? No? That's good. A lot of people are nowadays. Alright, so here we are. Now be very quiet. It looks like they've got somebody up on the table. What are they doing? It's hard to tell. They were always trying some new thing or another. Ask the doctors? Well, I'm not sure they'd know what they were up to either. Lots of experimenting went on in this room and... Almost none of it worked. They never got to saw on me, thank goodness. I was gone before it came to that. We can get closer if you like, so that we can make a guess, though. It's hard to get a picture with all of their backs to you. Just be quiet. Would you look at that? Mm. They've cut all his ribs away. I think I know what they're doing now. 
collapsing his lungs to give them a rest. It's supposed to cut down on inflammation. What? Of course it doesn't make any sense. Most of what the doctors do here doesn't. Like I said, it was just trial and error. How did the old joke go? That's why they call it practicing medicine, because they so rarely get it right. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad joke. Still, I have to get a little chuckle in every once in a while. <laughs> it feels so good to laugh again without coughing. I can't help it. Did you get your picture? Fuzzy? Huh. I've heard people talking about that when they come through. How all of the pictures come out all grainy and misty-like. You should try to take one of me before you leave. I promise I'll stand real still. We should go on to room 502 now. That's where everyone always wants to go. It gives the clearest impressions. I think it's the pain. I mean... They didn't use any anesthetic in the surgery room either, so I'm sure that hurt unbelievably much too, but the pain in room 502? That was different. How? You'll see. Or not. I don't have to show it to you if you don't want. I try never to go in there myself when I'm alone. It bothers me in a way that the surgery never did. Surgery can be kind of interesting sometimes. Seeing what a human being is made up of when their insides are on the outside. Why does room 502 bother me so much? Like you said, or like I said before, you'll have to see it for yourself. But don't say I didn't warn you. We were told that we're not supposed to talk about it. It could get the doctor in trouble. And he, he wasn't a bad person except for, well, for what happened in room 502. It's right down the hall here. Follow me. That there was her desk, where the nurse's station used to be. Mary's desk. They all say that she hung herself in the bathroom, but that wasn't quite right. No, I, I didn't see it happen. I wasn't here in 1928. I was just a baby myself then, but I've seen it since. What really happened? I wish that I hadn't. Mary was in a motherly way, but she was sort of an old maid. 29. I guess she thought her time was running out to snare a doctor or any man. The way I hear tell, she started flirting around with this doctor, the same one who treated Audrey and me. He was too old to care about girls by the time we came along, though. They, however, would make use of the rooms up here at night, if you know what I mean. Anyway, Mary became pregnant, and she tried to convince the doctor to leave his wife. He refused. His wife came from money, and Mary, well, nurses didn't make much, and it would have been a scandal. She demanded that he do something about it, though. So he gave her something to make it go, the baby, to dissolve it. Only it didn't work right, because Mary was too far along. She went into that bathroom there behind you. 
when she started bleeding so that it would be easier to clean up without anyone seeing her, she thought. It kept people from asking questions, the fact that she volunteered for night shifts. There were a lot of questions that she didn't want to answer. When it started coming, though, she knew something was wrong when the bleeding wouldn't stop, even after the baby came out. There was no one to help her. She tried to call him, the doctor from the nurse's station, on the phone that they kept for the emergencies, just in case a patient took a turn for worse in the night. He'd switch shifts, too, so that he would be the one on call. By the time he got there, Mary had bled out in the bathroom. The doctor cleaned up the blood and everything else, put it in the incinerator. Yes, what was left of it, too? Took Mary into the surgery and pulled everything left inside of her out. Sewed her back up and put her clothes back on. Then he hung Mary up there from that pipe over by the nurse's station. Made it look like she killed herself. Everyone who comes here looking for her nowadays always says that that wouldn't hold her weight. But they're forgetting something. Mary was a whole lot lighter without any insides. Just a hollow shell. The girl who found Mary the next morning was a trainee, took one look at her and ran screaming right back to the doctor, who had just come on duty. Yep, the same one. Claimed that he didn't want to call the police because it would put them at risk of getting tuberculosis. No one was allowed in or out of Waverly Hills without being quarantined back then. It was too dangerous. He ordered Mary taken down the body chute. I don't know what happened to her after that. She won't tell me. What was that? No, she wouldn't ever tell me his name either, the doctor. I think she's still afraid of him. But you can ask her, if you like. Maybe she'll tell you. What? She's standing right behind you. No, <laughs> wait, come back. I didn't mean to... Please, there's just one more thing before you go. If if you see Audrey, tell her that I miss her. This is the end of the short story, Audrey's Sister, by Vivian Catfield. Be sure to tune in next week for another new short story here on the Haunted Muse podcast. Until then, this is Vivian Catfield reminding you to remain ever watchful because you never can tell someone or something somewhere out there just might be watching you.